Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode number 64. 64, just like Nintendo 64, which was one of the best consoles ever. Can I get an amen from somebody? Donkey Kong 64. That was awesome. Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. That's what I'm talking about, man. Anyway, <laughs> man, you guys know this this person well. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're a friend of the show. Uh, he's a minister. He's a tradesman. He's got a killer testimony, and we're going to be talking even more about it. Uh, he's also a co-laborer and minister at Arise Kingdom Ministries. Let's give it up for my guest today, David Schreier. What up, hey. dude? Hey. Hey, welcome hey, back excited. to the show. Yeah, it's awesome to be live, man. Yeah, it's so cool. Usually we're we are pre-recorded, but this is awesome that we're live. Yeah, and then when we have boo boos, we no one knows because we right (laughs) we can't edit out the boo boos. Yeah, it's all raw and it's all real now. That's okay. There's grace for that, right? Yep. Jesus covers us in that grace. Yeah, one of the guests uh, on our first week, they they forgot to plug in their computer, and then all of a sudden they died in the middle. I'm like, this is you know whatever. It's cool. The old That's me right. would have sweat, but I just didn't care. I was like, right. we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'm good at just, I'm good at, uh, you know, being off the cuff. So, yeah. Right. Um, okay. So, David, uh, let people know a little bit about yourself. You've been with us a couple of times and you've kind of been chronicling your, um, your path out of addiction and yeah. what God has done in your life. Um, mm-hmm. And you have a big heart for, uh, you know, what's going on with, um, the the opiate epidemic um because that was where you got a lot of your that was sort of your gateway wasn't it was was okay so why don't you just go ahead and recap take as much time as you want just kind of recap what you talked about last time yeah i think so when we left off i think the last time i had kind of talked about like my gotten into my rehabilitation experience but just like a quick like you know thousand foot view testimony um got a you know kind of grew didn't grow up in the greatest house um Mm -hmm you know, around drugs and drug addiction and things like that. It was normalized to me at a young age. Um, I actually got, I had an injury happen on my right arm. That injury sent me into being prescribed pain medication. That was about, I think I was like 13 at that point in time. And then that injury spurned me into, you know, getting a taste for, for opiates in my yeah. addiction. And um, that road kind of, I danced in and out of it for a long time. It, it finally took over for me and the, mm-hmm. around the, the 2005, 2006 timeframe. Um, I spent God almost 10, almost 10 years in that hell um, of just full active addiction. Um, but I dipped and dabbled along with it for a long time. Um, what, what, towards the end of my, of my, uh, my using journey i was i was married with kids and had all these responsibilities in this life and stuff and i kind of just chose to throw it all away for drugs and uh my wonderful wife krista alicia was was getting clean and being pursued by the lord and uh so and through that process i began to experience the grace of god but it, we did actually separate for a period of time yeah. and uh but that led me to a place where i was i was i was suicidal i was you know not taking care of any of my responsibilities whatsoever um and you know my wife that's where i found the lord was at the end of that journey um being suicidal being just completely fed up with life didn't know what to do with myself anymore um and i i i did the the thing i checked myself into a a a mental hospital for three days to try to detox and and i had this just crazy journey trying to get there Mm -hmm. but eventually I, i found an awesome uh, recovery program and i had been to many of them before but i had never been to a, a christian or a faith-based one before and yeah, uh yeah. and that has started this beautiful journey this mm-hmm. leg of my my awesome journey with the lord yeah. um i've been clean since june of 2013 uh minus a few little slips along the way but i've been clean mm-hmm. from heroin since june of 2013 um awesome man and yeah it's just it's been a crazy crazy ride a lot of ups a lot of downs a lot of mm-hmm. just crazy amazing experiences some really scary tough experiences but all in all i would say like i am so grateful Mm. that the lord plucked me out of it that the lord you know he set me apart and he set me up and i know i have a purpose and i know i have a destiny in this world which is something that i lacked in that identity for a long time Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm just so i'm so grateful man i'm so blessed i'm so Mm -hmm. grateful 
So okay. I, I've talked about this with a couple other people on this show, just about that feeling of unworthiness. Mm. Um, specifically with a lot of men, we can feel that. And then how that manifests or what, what it's almost like these rails you get set on and they take you into like a path of destruction, yeah. either it's mentally or literally in the physical. Um, mm -hmm. So for one person, it could be like I was talking to Micah Turnbow. For him, it was homosexuality. For yeah. uh, you know someone else, it could be something else. Do, would you say, I can't remember if we talked about this last time, Was but was there a sense of unworthiness within you that kind of oh, led yeah. you down that path of like, ah, oh, yeah. this is how I'm going to get that. Yeah. That's going to plug the hole. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really go much into my, like, my childhood um, experiences, but I was originally there's just a lot of there's a lot of turbulence and a lot of turmoil in my young life um yeah i was the child of a teenage mother and then they my my biological father and my mother got married and then i got divorced really quickly um so there was a lot of you know just kind of chaos there and then my mom married who would be my stepdad who she's still married to and has his two awesome kids with but um just growing up i i never felt worthy um, I always felt like the odd one out because I was I was an only child until I was 16. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. And I never felt quite like I fit in anywhere. I never felt quite like, you know, we were not of well means growing up. And um, I got picked on a lot. I got made fun of a lot because we were we were the poor family in the neighborhood. Mm. Um, I had a wonderful grandmother who who took us all in and she just actually passed away um, two years ago. But mm um wonderful woman of god I, I mean i'm pretty sure that i owe a vast majority of why i'm here today to that woman's prayers um she would sit mm -hmm. at her little kitchen table and she had this kind of like spot she had carved out for herself and she would pray there every day she had her bible and her, her devotional books and things like that and she would pray for all of us every day because my entire extended family cousins and all that uh, minus a few have been pretty heavily involved in, in addiction mm. um so yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, I just always felt like the odd man out. I guess I got made fun of a lot. I got picked on a lot. And I internalized a lot of that stuff. Mm. Um, and I was getting it at home too. Just a lot of a lot of negativity, a lot of a, a verbal and emotional abuse, mm. uh, some physical abuse. Just, uh, man, it was just, you know, at, at school, I, I never felt like I fit in. And then my dad was really, I wouldn't say he was, he was he's a pretty critical person. My biological father is a pretty critical mm -hmm. man. Um, he doesn't know the Lord. I've been praying for him for years to know the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. but he is set in his ways and you know, I, he, they would say things to me like about me, about my identity. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. I'm ungrateful. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm fat or I'm a quitter or I'm a crybaby. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? And I, I was a sensitive child and I, I took a lot of that stuff. I took that stuff on myself and I built yeah. up this identity that to be completely honest with, I still struggle with even to this day. Mm. Um, and I know I'm set free, saved, delivered, sanctified child of the King, but there are days when the enemy likes to like, like a Rolodex in my brain likes to, to, to take the cards out and pick them up and pick, you know, cause he's an idiot. Exactly. He's so <laughs> stupid. Cause I, I mean, it's like, he doesn't show his hand. Right. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where, I like everybody. I still have those days where it's 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 hard to see myself through the lens of God, mm -hmm. see myself through the lens of Jesus, and how the sure. Holy Spirit sees me and loves me and cares for yeah. me. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we just celebrate, you know, the work that He's done in you, man. Like that's, you know, I I would imagine there are times when you, when you're like sitting there looking at the way your life is now and going dude, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> like, like you remember <laughs> things like. Like you had said last time that like kind of your rock, the real rock bottom was you got yes. evicted from your, your place. Yeah. And you were like, you know, you know, posted up in a, uh, like, it was like a burned down. Was it like a burned down apartment, burnt out apartment building? building? Oh, it was a what? Burnt out apartment building. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It caught on fire and they had never rebuilt it. Yeah. So yeah. So that like was that like, moment and you're like, right. dude. <laughs> to where I am now, it's, it's nothing but god and it, Dude, it th that was what reminds me every day like you have a you have a point you have, you have a story you have a reason you have a purpose mm -hmm. because he pulled me out of that and then to, it's such a humbling thing 
you know, like it's a humility thing to sit. And sometimes I like, I feel like I have to pinch myself. Like, oh my God, like, where did this come from? You know what I mean? Like I look around my house or I look around my life and I see the right. blessings and I see the awesome stuff, you know, the travel and the ministry yeah. and my kids being healthy and happy and not, mm. you know, strung out somewhere. And me even being alive today is simply by the grace of God. Amen, dude. Sim Amen. Period. I yeah. owe it to nothing else. You know, I could, it's not owed to a recovery program. It's not owed to anything other than the grace of God. Now those things are great and they help me along the way. But the I got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, and the credit goes to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit goes to the Trinity. Period. End of story. Point blank is the reason why I'm here and alive today. Mm. Amen. Well, the amazing thing about people chronicling, because we always end it on, uh, you know, sometimes you got to go in and talk about the the bad stuff that happened. Yeah. Uh, but we always end it. With, right. with with hope that there is hope and that's the message that you carry and i think that the thing that i've noticed with like these types of episodes while they can be heavy ultimately mm -hmm. they're powerful tools that god uses to bring people out of addiction whatever yeah. that addiction is not have to be drugs no. uh, any kind of addiction and yeah. Um, I had, was hearing a testimony of somebody who said, cause there's been a couple of episodes between you and another one mm. or a couple of other ones where one of them was sent to someone. I can't remember which one it was, but one of them was sent to somebody, um, mm. who was an IV drug addict. And because of what was said in it, mm. they chose to leave a life of addiction. Mm -hmm. So I, even though we heard that from one that. I know for a fact yeah. that these episodes that you and I are doing are being used in the same way. Cause we don't always get people that write, you know, right. us and say that kind of stuff. Maybe they're not in that place yet. Maybe they're like right in the middle of recovery. Right. Uh, but, but people have been, been set free as a result Amen. of these. So I, you know, I'm, I'm stoked for this as well. And so kind of what you want to talk about today mm -hmm. is a bit of, um, you know, recovery from a Christian perspective. Right. Yeah. So, um, because I would imagine that was like a long, a long process, right? It was, and it's still yeah. a process. I mean, it's yeah. a process that I'm still in. Sure. You know, I have, yeah. it, I, I think one of the things that, cause, cause you, you get this theological perspective where you have two kind of camps, if you will, one camp says, no, once you're saved, you're set free, you're delivered. You don't struggle with those things again. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other camp that says that's not wisdom. Mm -hmm. There's wisdom in, in, in being mindful of your struggles. Mm -hmm. And I think that like most things in the church, that the answer lies somewhere in the center of those two, two perspectives. You know, I don't have to, I can choose not to struggle with those things and I can choose to surrender them to God, but that doesn't make me exempt from those struggles. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not a sin to struggle. Right. You know, I think that's something that I feel, I felt very powerfully even recently to say is like, it's not a sin to struggle with any addiction or any temptation. Mm -hmm. The sin is when we engage in that temptation or that addiction, mm -hmm. that's when it becomes a sin, yep. but to struggle with it and to deal with it and to fight through it and to submit it to the Lord, that's not sinful behavior. That's exactly, exactly what repentance is. That's exactly mm -hmm. what it is. We're, we're called to bear each other's burdens. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So with the recovery piece, especially from addiction, um, there's, there's a lot that I think that the the secular world has gotten and done really well and done right um, through the anonymous programs. I mean, the, the the twelve steps themselves that are found in Alcoholics and Narcotics Anonymous and over all the anonymous groups, those steps are rooted in in if you look them up from the original author, they're rooted in in basic fundamental Christian principles, mm -hmm. ideas like surrender, humility acceptance and fruit of the spirit patience mm -hmm. peace joy yeah, all these things are contained in those steps it's it's a process that takes you from not being able to deal with your denial not being able to deal with your issues whatever you work your way through it and as you work your way through it the whole point of it is to give it to someone else yeah it says they, they say it in all these na meetings all the time you, you we keep what we have only by giving it away mm, and that's okay. the same model like is discipleship you know we keep our relationship alive with the Lord by being in community and being in fellowship with other believers and de facto giving away, giving away our experience, giving away our strength, giving away our prayers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So those are the the foundational parts of it where, where I've 
always struggled with like secular recovery in that respect has been that there's this idea of a um like a god of your understanding uh yeah kind of idea like your god can be anything you want it to be as long as it's you know greater than you and but i've heard people say like their god is the doorknob and that's your god is the doorknob i've heard literally people say the god could be your doorknob or a tree or whatever i'm not more powerful than i'm a lot more powerful than a doorknob and i know that right so for me it's like i'm not going to submit to a doorknob Mm -hmm. but and bless those people i pray for them but from the from the that side of it to the christian side of it we know our god yeah you know we we have the ability to have a relationship with a loving caring power greater than ourselves who who has a destiny for us who has an identity for us who has all the love and all the understanding and all the empathy in the world for us and that's that's from my perspective that's the difference you know what i mean like that's the mm-hmm. key that component that higher power component is mm-hmm. the, for me was the biggest part because the other stuff is just legwork if you're able to do it sure you know the, the searching yourself and the finding yourself and you know, saying all the bad stuff you did or, you know what I mean? And coming to grips with that as, you know, as a part of your story, those things can be done, but they're not done to, the, I think that they're full benefit without having that, that relationship with God mm. to, yeah. to back you up, to like gird you up, you know, to, to have someone that's not, you know, because people are fallible, you know, we're all, mm-hmm. we're all fallible, you know, a group mm-hmm. of people is fallible, you know, and, I've seen a lot of people that when they're outside of the Christian world and they're in recovery, they get hurt because even, even in Christian recovery, they get hurt because they put their faith in a, in a group, uh, you know, yeah. they put their faith in the, in the group consensus. So they put their faith in a specific person or they put their faith in, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. when that person invariably lets them down, like all people do, dude, for real you know, that it, it, it creates these major setbacks in their lives. And it, because I've experienced it when I was mm-hmm. early in recovery, I had, I was, my, I was really young in my relationship with the Lord, but the positivity and the power of the group around me was, was holding me up. But then as time went on, I began to really struggle with being in secular recovery because I loved the principles but I couldn't align with the values that I was seeing displayed. You know what I mean? There was a lot, it was just, my values were changing. My life was changing. I was growing with the Lord. You know, I'm growing up with Jesus. I'm getting to be more serious about my convictions and things like that. And just, it was more like behavior, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like I just didn't want to be, I just didn't want to be around that group anymore. Cause the, the way I was going was not the way I felt like, everyone else was going yeah well i do think too you know that whole idea of like oh you have to you know give it away uh you know that you said that was one of the principles and like aa is like well it's important that the the thing the person you're giving it to god it it exists like not oh well god is a a tree i'm like he can't he he literally cannot take that 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 you know that that image that you've fashioned for yourself literally cannot take this can't do anything um, for you yeah so it um, serves it serves a false need that's been addressed over and over again in the bible which is mm-hmm. people fashioning gods out of their own hands making god in their own image mm-hmm. for a, and i'm going to say this and it sounds harsh but it's because it's in my opinion in my experience it's because if god is real and the bible is real and all these things are real i'm then held to account for it mm. And if I'm held to account for something like a set of principles or, or, you know what I mean? Or a set of conduct or behavior or expectations mm-hmm. or fruits that are supposed to be born in my life. Mm-hmm. As long as it's one of those, like, if I can't see it, it's not there, mm-hmm. even though it's not that, even though it's there, yeah. it's very real. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I think is we've done really good as the church over the years has been, we've made the ability for people to recover possible by, by opening our doors, physical doors. Yeah. Um, I would say 99.9% of the recovery meetings I've attended have been in some sort of religious facility, whether that be a church or a gym or a basement, you know, coffee shop, or I think it's been awesome that the the Christian community has always been open to embracing um, and welcoming people in that are trying to better themselves, at least Mm -hmm. from that, from that, in that respect.
help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. Yeah. Um, I think that that's something that, you know, the Lord applauds us for, you know, saying, Hey, we have this facility, we have this space, we'd love to make it available to anybody who wants to do a recovery meeting or something mm-hmm. like that. I think those things are amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, and even as weird as it sounds, I, I even got a little bit, you know, relationship with God by osmosis, just kind of from being in those environments. Mm, okay. You yeah. know, you, walking down a hallway at a church, there's a gospel tract or there's a book or there's a, you know, you go in the bathroom and you see the bulletin board and you see somebody mm-hmm. speaking or they're having a free concert or, you know, at the church and it kind of draws you. So any of you that are watching and that's your job at church is is printing off those bulletin board things and even yeah. gospel tracks. And you have been struggling with like, what am I doing? Why am I even doing this? I mean, he is a testimony that yeah. we need people like you. God bless <laughs> you guys for we do putting up those flyers and, and printing those gospel tracks. So anybody right. out there poo-pooing gospel tracks, you might want to shame on you because I've picked up a ton of them in random yeah. churches and <laughs> going to NA meetings. Yeah. So well, again. I'm sure there was a there was a, a time where you were like, you know, give me a break, you know. Oh, yeah. And it's like you you get it enough times, you know, it's like yeah, eventually. Well, because I was going to recovery meetings before I was saved. Mm. So it wasn't, you know, that I was suddenly saved and now going to recovery meetings. I had been mm. going on and off to recovery meetings the entire time I've been in that. Yeah. Um, so, but, but those things, it was just, it was a little kind of like God winks, you know what I mean? That I even go back and remember, you know, I read this thing one time or there was a scripture posted at a really perfect spot as I was walking down the hallway and it, you know, it was like the Lord speaking to me in moments when I was either struggling or I don't consider those things coincidence. And I wouldn't have had those experiences if the churches hadn't been willing to, to trust and to open those doors and say, we want to be a want to be a part of serving your community Mm. because it is a community Mm -hmm. and it could become the community. Well, and I appreciate your response when you were talking about one thing that the church has done well. I think so often it's easy for us. Church is an easy target to look at the constant shortcomings, but something that I've noticed even with myself is if I'm saturated by constantly saying, the church isn't doing this and we need to be doing yeah. that. The church isn't doing that. And we need to be doing that is you start to look at, um, you start to look through the lens of negativity where you're yeah. always like, where's the church not measuring up? And that's all you see. Now, obviously it's important to look at the areas yeah. where you, uh, you know, where we need to improve. But mm-hmm. something that I've found as I'm getting older and older is the more the more you have a collective body who is seeking the face of Jesus, the more in you're walking in obedience and in, and in his power, those things are going to fix themselves. Now, obviously, there are things that that God bless administrative people. I am not one of them uh, who come in and they're able to go, OK, we need to do this. When you do that. Yeah, let's actually shift this a little bit. So yeah. I'm not saying we don't need that. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. I really appreciated your approach, which is like, hey, yeah. this is where the church has actually really succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the church and it's even not even just opening their doors, but in other ways, the church has succeeded is that or there's a really good, strong couple, two of them that I know of very positive Christian church based recovery programs, one being Celebrate Recovery oh, okay. um, and the other being Reformers uh, Unanimous. Um. They're, one of them is based in, I think, Illinois, Rockville, Rock, Rockville, Illinois. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a Baptist based one. Um, it's almost like a Wannis, but for addicts. Oh it, yeah, it's kind of you know, there's like Bible study challenges and stuff, but it's really cool. I've been to a couple of their meetings too. Okay, um, so this is when you like show up for during the day and then no okay. evenings. It's like nighttime, okay. like a little snack and meal provided thing. Okay, um, but uh, you know, th- there's that, and then there's another program called Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. which um, is basically like, you know, uh, an AA or an NA, but mm-hmm. totally Christian scriptures used um, still use this kind of uses like a small group discipleship model. Also with a public meeting, there's like worship beforehand and there's like a little message. And then you break off into these small groups that are, that are separated by male, female. Okay. Um, and you talk about struggles you're having, you know, how you feeling this week, what step are you on? There's still, still a sponsorship network. So the church has done some awesome things when it comes to recovery. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of great outreach ministries too. 
Yeah. But so with celebrate recovery, is it, is it, so if you uh, separate in your group, is it everybody there is say you're an uh, alcoholic, is everybody in your group struggling with alcoholism or is it just a broad range? The whole thing. Okay. The whole thing. You right. may be sitting at like, I remember I've been to a couple of meetings where um, I sat next to someone who's, who his addiction or his struggle was like work-life balance. Oh, that's wow. a very real thing that people would talk about. Yeah. Um, I've sat in meetings with people with food or sex or pornography mm. or drugs or alcohol, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's one of the things I think has always been cool about it is it's not uh, like, you know, struggle specific. Uh, Celebrate recovery is not. It's something basically they took the ideas and the concepts of an Alcoholics Anonymous or a Narcotics Anonymous and they made it available for the church at large. Okay. For any kind of struggle. Just for the simple fact that I'm telling you that, that there are golden nuggets in those 12 steps because the man that wrote them was a priest. Mm. And I mean, it's, there's some amazing godly wisdom contained in the 12 steps. Um, and there's just so many good principles and so much good stuff to pull out. It's almost like streamlines, like your first year of discipleship, mm. you know, you begin to like be able to look at yourself, be able to see yourself for who you are. You can admit your shortcomings, but you can also have mature assets yeah um you you learn how to live in community and be able to to share yourself with the community um and then through those steps in that process you begin to become like a fuller person if you work them to completion mm. um because okay, they were awesome oh go ahead no go ahead no. oh i was gonna say let's um i had a question and this might actually open us up into um kind of a good direction but is it common for people with an obvious addiction to deny they have one? So somebody who's got an obvious addiction saying, no, 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 I can, I can quit tomorrow. I can. Yeah. Is that, is that common? It is. It's, it's, there's like when we talked about on the last episode, the, the, the brain specifically, they end from a brain perspective, mm -hmm. from a neurological perspective, the brain rewires itself to serve the thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. anything that either brought happiness, joy, peace, comfort, any of those things gets wired to the, the drug or the drink or the porn or the food or the whatever. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the middle of it, you are, it, it, you go into this like limbic self-preservation mode. You know, I will deny, deny, deny. I will push away. I will, you know what I mean? In any way, shape or form I can, so I can protect this, this thing that I'm addicted to because my mm -hmm. brain is screaming, you can't take it away. You know what I mean? You can't, we, we can't lose it. Oh, you know, brain goes into this crazy mode. I need this. Yeah. Yeah. I need this. This is a part of my identity. Sometimes mm -hmm. it even becomes a part of like you, I begin to identify with the thing that you're struggling with. I identified as an, as a junkie. I used to call myself a junkie all the time. Say, Oh even man, I'm a junkie. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Especially you when just I was wear like a badge of honor sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a junkie. I don't care. I'm just a junkie. I'm just going to always be a junkie. And I'm not saying wow. these things now is truth, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really easy because that's your brain makes it really easy to do it. Mm. You know, people could be telling you the truth and you could even see the wreckage of your life around you, but it takes what a lot of people would call the, what AA calls a moment of clarity okay. where, where the, the fog lifts, so to speak for just a minute. And you can see, Hey, this is, this is destroying my life. This is destroying me. This is not me. This is not who I am. I need to get off of it like right now and I need to stop and I need to stop protecting it. Wow. Okay. But yeah, it's, I mean, there's, I bold face lied for years, mm. years. I would lie to people. No, I'm not certain. I'm good. Sorry. Yeah. And then probably, I mean, I would imagine just went deeper and deeper into oh, yeah. the thing. I mean, it's, okay. that's inevitable with an addiction. It's not like it stays. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like it stays like this. It seems like it just gets. Yeah, there's a steady you know. decline. There's no such thing as a as a functioning full blown addict. Mm. It doesn't. It, it doesn't exist. Oh, um, there are people that can use drugs or things of that nature that are addictive and not become addicted to them. But once you've got the monkey on your back, it's a it's it's a downhill slope, mm. uh, and that downhill slope could be almost flat. Yeah, you know what I mean. Some people spend their whole lives, but it's always gradually down. Mm -hmm. you know okay, some yeah. people it's really fast and for some people there's a long time like you know you, that's why you see a lot of um you'll see a lot of older men specifically in alcoholics anonymous because they've been their their decline was more gradual but as they get older they begin to have health problems 
they begin okay. to have their they begin to have their adult children tell them I'm not going to deal with my alcoholic father anymore. Mm. You know, the wife who you've been married to for 30 years begins to just get tired of you being drunk all the time. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've yep. I'm not speaking personal experience, but I've seen it sure. through friends and, and people I know who are in recovery. Yeah. Where for them, it was not a you know crash and burn, so to speak. But the level of social acceptability that alcohol has and stuff like that made it easy for them to stay drinking for a long time. Mm. But then eventually, just like all addictions, there comes a rock bottom. And for a lot of us, it's death, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but for some of us who are graced enough like me and a lot of others, millions of other people, we, we get that opportunity and that chance to for our rock bottom to not be at the bottom of a grave. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm sure there are people that are like, have, myself included, who have loved ones who are gripped by, you know, an addiction of some kind. Yeah. How, how does somebody come to that place of that, that moment of clarity you talked about? Like how, how do they get there? Um, do you have any advice for people who maybe have been sitting there praying for their son, for example, or their, their mom or whoever it is, um, for a long time, but do you have any advice for that? that? I would say I'm going to join in prayer with everybody on here too, but I would say that I, my heart goes out to everyone. I know it's Mm -hmm. hard because not only am I an addict, but I'm, I've been around them. I've been, I'm related to them. You know, it's, I know how, I know how it feels. Yeah. Um, the best piece of advice is you have to love people where they're at, but you also have to let them experience the consequences of what they're doing. Mm. Um, that's what made, at least for me, that's what made me start to begin to see some things a little differently was the people around me, they loved me and they cared about me, but they weren't going to continue putting up with my nonsense. Mm. They begin to, to uh, holding someone from not experiencing the consequences. Like I'll, I'll say this and it's probably controversial, but God does have a plan for these people yeah, and we could step right in the middle of that plan and stop it from happening or delay it from happening for a very long period of time by being codependent, by mm-hmm. being, by coddling, enabling. By, yeah. Yes. By enabling, be having codependent behavior, um, by justifying for them, covering for them, bailing them out of jail, giving them money when you know what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, don't give them money, give them food. Say if they're, if they're hungry, feed them. If yeah. they're thirsty, go buy the drink. You know, if, if their phone is broken, then you go pay the phone bill. You know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. a lot of very practical ways that they are, they can be emotionally hard because that's when the addiction part comes in and the person starts to try to manipulate or, you know, talk their way out of it. No, I'm fine. You can trust me, whatever. But if you know what's going on and you know for certain that that is what's going on, then there's a certain responsibility I think we all have in those positions to not tough love, but real love. Mm Because real love doesn't let a person destroy themselves. You know, Jesus's love, Jesus's love for us does not let us kill ourselves. Oh, yeah, this is good. And God's love is unconditional. It is. And our love should be unconditional. But I can point to you a bunch of times when Jesus, you know, didn't just leave someone wallowing in their sin and say, no, it's fine. I still love you. You're awesome. It's great. Mm -hmm. No, he called people to repent. He healed people. He delivered people. He cast demons out of people. And yes, we can be like Jesus in that respect. So obviously prayer over the person when they're willing and and available, Um, praying for them, obviously behind the scenes. But then also just really practically loving them in a way that says, I love you enough not to help you kill yourself. Oh, that's huge. That's huge, man. Because I remember I was talking to a coworker. It was back when I was working at Trader Joe's. I was talking to a coworker and they said they were talking about, we it was like myself, my coworker and another coworker, I think. And then they were, t- we're talking about drug addiction came up. And, and somebody was talking about someone they knew or something like that, where they were, they always wanted to be high or something. It was something like that. And Mm. she said, I don't know, whatever. I just want people to be happy. I just love people. I just want them to be happy. And I'm like, that is not true love. You allowing somebody and just saying, oh, whatever. I just want them to be happy. That's actually 
unloving. And I think right. that this is a message that gets really mixed up in our culture now. It is. Is what love means. And I actually heard it. One of my old mentors described love as willing the highest and best for another individual. So that was love. really, really good. And That's so, so good. yeah, Troy Sherman, what up? Um, and good. so, yeah. And it's so, so true because if you want, if, if you love someone, you, like you said about the society thing, the skewed yeah. idea that we've taken love is the love that we call love in this society is a self-centered form of, of YOLO, be your best self. Right. Which means you only live once to those that don't know. Right. You, you, your best self may not always be your happiest self. Yeah. Your exactly. best self may not always be your most physically in my body mm -hmm. contented self. Mm -hmm. Because on the other side of that is my death or crazy consequences for me like going to prison for the rest of my life or anything mm -hmm. else that could happen to me. This menagerie of consequences that I can deal with both physical and spiritual and then eternal hell. Right. Like we don't talk about that enough either. Mm -hmm. Like actual eternal for the rest of eons damnation mm -hmm. on top yeah. of a crazy physical life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then yeah. we say, Oh, I, I just love them so much. I love them so much. If, if you love them so much, then let them experience the consequences for their actions. Mm. And it, it's, yeah. it's hard to say that. Well, and that's what I was going to ask is, so from what I'm gathering from what you're saying, because there might be some people who feel some guilt for stances they've taken with loved ones where they're like, this mm. is the line in the sand. I love you, but I will not cross this line to condone your behavior, to accept your, and I have a loved one. I've had to do that with them, drew a line in the sand and said, I will not condone this. Yeah. Um, and it, that is not wrong for what I'm hearing you saying. Now, no. obviously I'm not sitting there throwing hellfire and brimstone at them. I'm still right. loving them, but sometimes the most loving thing you can do is confront someone's drug addiction or yeah. an addiction of any kind that's yeah. some, that's the most loving thing you can do sometimes yeah because you're showing them that like I, I don't care about what your physical i care about you mm. i care about you as a person i care about yeah. you as a human i care about your experience you know and you having the best experience you can have which is not constantly wrecked out of your mind on drugs or alcohol or imbibing in too much food or locking yourself away watching pornography mm -hmm. or any of those things and I, I will say another thing that helps, and I know this from talking to other people, is is sharing those struggles with your addict or your addicted person in in the context of community is huge. There's so much support because there's so many people out there who are in the exact same boat that you're in. And it's so important that you know that, no, I'm not alone. I'm not wrong. And because it girds you up, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can pray and prayer and the Holy Spirit will gird you up. Mm -hmm. but then it's also we're also told to to not neglect the gathering of the saints right yeah and, and confession is a powerful thing i mean that's why it, it says is. confess your confess. sins to one another yes. first john says confess your sins that god might forgive you he will yeah. forgive you you know um so it um confession is a very powerful thing it is and then there's also the community support aspect um i know that a lot of that stuff dies in the in in the light, especially in the light of the spirit and in the light of a of a context of a good loving community of believers mm -hmm. around you. So if you're a Christian and you're you're in that boat, I would suggest for you, especially in your local body, to start reaching out to people. Mm. Ask around. You know, try to find some there are tons of there are support meetings. Most churches have some kind of support. Um in that respect, there's uh, a bunch of different groups so usually they're local to a church you know what i mean there's but there's usually some kind of small group in a bigger church that is geared towards uh, emotional support for the parents or the loved ones of an addict or or someone who's struggling with something there there is support 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 is huge mm. especially from the spiritual community that is the other side of it it's it's having that that tough face with your addicted loved one but then so you don't give in later on the backside having that support that that's healthy. That's, that's also on the same page. That's in the same spirit as you, you know, someone who you're equally yoked with is a mm -hmm. big, big help. Thanks for listening. The Elijah fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours to become a partner. Visit Elijahfire.com slash donate. Yeah. To, well, to and something I've been thinking about as you've been talking is the whole idea of struggle. So if yeah. your life before you admitted you had a problem 
mm-hmm. and did, did something about it. Cause there might've been times where you're like, I'm a junkie and I know this isn't good, but you know what? Forget this. You know, right. I'm just gonna, uh, but, but struggle means that you're actually, sh- you're you are fighting against something. it. You're fighting yeah. against something. And I always say resistance breeds strength. So yes. I, I, God speaks to me a lot through exercise. And today I was doing this stupid workout <laughs> and I hated it. But knowing I was like, this is, this is a, a physical representation of what things are like in the spirit. Sometimes if you have a struggle yeah. with something, I know my perseverance through this yes. is going to ultimately benefit me. Amen. So pushing forward and being like, I hate this. This is stupid, you know, Amen. you know, Amen. but, and so struggle, if you're struggling with something good, that means yeah. that you actually recognize that there's an issue and you're trying to improve it. But yeah. if you're just like, ah, whatever, just, you know, right. That's yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. To me that that's not, that's not even, that's not even like Christ-like behavior. That's not even spirit motivated behavior. You know, it's, yeah. it's press on the race endurance, right. Which Paul talks about mm-hmm. run the race with endurance, right. To, to not to, strive for works. And, and there's all kinds of different ways you can look at. It. I could point to a hundred different verses that say this, but the concept that I see in the new Testament playing out is, is to resist the devil and he'll flee mm-hmm. from you yeah. to fight the temptation of sin, fight the mm-hmm. good fight of faith, mm-hmm. right? All these verses talk about fighting, talking about struggling, talking about pressing on running the race endurance, right? Mm-hmm. We, we cannot just sit and accept this thing that's happening to us, right? Like when the enemy attacks me and he does pretty regularly, specifically today, it happened pretty bad, mm. but um, I could have found myself in a, in a, in a, I could have been in a downward spiral of self-loathing. I could have been in a downward spiral of, of blaming myself for situations that I have no control over. You know what I mean? I could have taken all this stuff the enemy was throwing at me and I could have not fought and I'd be in a completely different headspace than I am right now. Sure. Absolutely. But yeah. instead, I fought the enemy. I strived against the struggle. I strived against the thing that was trying to struggle against me. And I conquered it and I submitted it to the Lord. Amen. And I'll keep doing it over and over and over again until because the warfare never stops. Yeah. Never, never and that applies to anything anybody's going through right now, whether yeah. that's hopelessness, whether that's anxiety, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, worrying about a financial situation, whether that's like, like it applies to anything, which is, you know, I think that one of the things, a big revelation for me was that when I realized that the core of pretty much almost a hundred percent of everything I struggle with was rooted in something that was self-focused and it was like self-centered or self-idolizing. Oh, that's good. That totally changed the game on how I deal with things. Yeah. Because at the root of all of the sin was self-centeredness. It was, I deserve, I want, I don't feel like doing this. I do feel like doing this. And do you know what I mean? So those cycles were repeated because I had not, died to myself, taken up my cross and really submitted to following Jesus. And when I find myself in those cycles, I have to remind myself that, Hey, you're being self-centered, David, you yeah. need to, to die to yourself, get rid of that old man. Right. Cause that's what self-centeredness is. It's going back to that old man. What mm-hmm. is it? What is it in Proverbs? It says like a dog that returns to its vomit is a yeah. fool that returns to his foolishness. No bueno, dude not good right yeah well and something i was thinking about too is in john 3 30 he says uh he must become greater i must become less and i think yes. it was john the baptist but it's like that's that's it man he must increase and i must decrease yeah and that's that's a that's a that, that was a key revelation for me even in in my addiction because addiction is just a self-centered disease mm, it, yeah. it protects itself it's yep, a self-protective, yep. self-centered disease. It says, I don't care about the consequences to the world around me. I want what I want as much as I want it. And then once it turns the tables on you, you lose control. Mm. And then this self-centered monster inside of you 
is just da, 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 da. Yeah. you know what I mean? Just grab, 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 take, 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 destroy, destroy, destroy. And you have no control over it. And you're just this completely self-centered, out of control person. Hmm. And then it takes those, like you said, those moments of clarity where that you've experienced a consequence. The Lord has moved in some kind of sovereign movement in your life. You experience him in some way. And it's like the heavens open and you can finally see for once, like this is the damage that I'm causing myself and the people around me. Yeah. And I can testify even like uh, when I had like a big bout with anxiety, Mm -hmm. honestly, like there were, there were weeks where it felt like no improvement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like no improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was that continual reminding myself of the promises of God. Yeah continuing to push forward Mm. to persevere to to struggle to wrestle with this thing and continue and it's like i I said this last weekend um i was referencing that episode with maddie montgomery i did and he was talking Mm -hmm. about a guy come up to him about you know pornography addiction and he said we know what james says it says resist the devil and he will flee from you that is a guaranteed breakthrough if you continue to persevere you continue to seek the lord that's right. You, you will receive your breakthrough. And it's, it's true. Yeah. It is a promise. Yeah. 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 It's a promise. I mean, your promise. If you struggle, you will get the breakthrough. Yeah. It's when, when you stop the, the struggle, when you stop mm-hmm. resisting the enemy, the breakthrough ceases. It ceases. Mm-hmm. And you can go through seasons of that, or you can you can persevere and push on. But the minute you go back to it, the resisting the enemy, he will flee from you. Yeah. I mean, and there are some things I do feel like, because we've been talking a lot about deliverance um, and we're doing like a deliverance series right now with Jennifer Martin. um, And uh, the thing that I, um, I feel like can be the case is sometimes there are, you do need deliverance. Yes, you do. uh, For things. And yeah, something might need to just get, get rooted out of you. Uh, But then there are other times where, um, sometimes it's just a, a habit issue. It's a self-control issue. Um, yeah. and that sometimes we need to learn to, to resist this thing and that yeah. God is like, well, you are set free. You have been delivered from this, but now you right. need to pick up, you need to get up. Yeah. You need to walk this. You need to pick those heavy weights up and you <laughs> need right. to get strong in the Lord. You need to get strong right. in the spirit. And so yeah. knowing the difference between those, I don't have an exact answer, but I would say if you got prayed for, and say you've gotten prayed for multiple times, you've been in multiple deliverance sessions and you got yeah. stuff delivered from you. You know, we can talk about, I can talk about this with Jennifer Martin a little bit more as well, but I would look at that and go, it looks like maybe there's some stuff that you need to, you need to beat your body and make it your slave. Like yes. Paul talks about, I think there is a measure of that where, yeah, yeah. you got delivered from stuff. Krista got delivered from stuff, but yeah. I guarantee there was some stuff that you guys need to go, okay, I need to beat my body and make it my slave. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And of course, like, it's funny you say that. Cause it's, it's, I think there are a lot of folks out there, myself included at times that they're seeking for deliverance for something that really is just needing to exercise self-control. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause not everything. And, and I think another thing we struggle with in our society and it bleed it bleeds over into the church is this like quick fix instant gratification mm-hmm. kind of spirituality where, Oh my God, it must be a demon. But if you get it out of me, it'll be gone. But then next week I have the same demon again. Well, no, beat your body into submission. The demon has gone, but you have to close the door and keep the door closed with your strength, with, with that perseverance, with that. That's really good. Yeah. Um, Oh, of course. Yeah. And there's things like, you know, we're a married couple. Like there's things that are like, like, I'm not going to go for, for constant prayer of deliverance from this, the, the, the spirit of argumentativeness with my (laughs) wife. Like that's not going to happen. Like we argue, yeah. we argue, we're human beings. We disagree. Yeah. We have disagreement. We get no fight, whatever. We're people. Yeah. I and never get in arguments with my wife. No, you're so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys are so perfect. No. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, I think that's it. It's like, yeah. If you, if you're struggling with issues with, I mean, as a husband, there are times when the Holy Spirit's like, don't say that thing. And I'm yep. like, you know what? I'm going to say that thing. And then, you know, it's like, I mean, every husband was like, haha, yeah, I know that's like, so that was me. That would be a perfect example of, I needed to master my flesh a little bit better. And those yeah. moments are always telling to me of like, dude, you, you need to chill out. Like you need yeah. to grab a hold of your, um, 
you know, if I get worked up about something, I'm like, dude, you need to master your flesh. You need to yeah. beat your body and make it your slave. Yeah. Um, and then at that moment, I always just go back to Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See yeah. if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, I pray that all the time. Because so it's like if there's ever a moment where I find myself in a moment of weakness where I, you know, I responded not in a godly way. Right. Dude, like that's that's always the, like on the forefront of my of my lips is that prayer. That's so um, good. Yeah. So. so um, okay. So, what are what are some ways that you feel like the church could do better? Because we talked a lot about what they've been doing. Right. Yeah. What are some ways that you feel like we could do better? I think the biggest one for me has been there's a there's a bringing in of the community from the outside, but there's still a clear there's a fear, I think, in actually getting their hands dirty in that community. Okay. That's where I think yeah. that the church yeah. struggles because it's great to open the doors and it's great to go feed and do outreach in homeless communities and addicted communities. It's a completely different thing to know by the spirit that it's safe for you to kind of like start that relationship with someone because discipleship is relational. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anyone mm -hmm. says. I know it's a relational process. Yeah, it's it relational is. because God is relational. So discipleship is not formulaic. It's relational. Mm -hmm. And some people just need that relationship. Some addicts just need to know that someone cares. Not that you're in that. It's not that it doesn't show that you care by giving them a meal or a blanket or a coat in the winter or opening your doors to them to host their meetings. But to, for the church to really make a difference, to really see huge, huge breakthrough, one would be intentional intercessory prayer for the addicted community and for the companies and for the pharmaceutical companies that create these drugs against the traffickers that bring them into this country. I mean, literally like some serious high level warfare against those principalities and those spirits, but a more practical way that's not as like, you know, lofty spiritually in that way. Cause not everybody is a crazy intercessor, wild Lou Engle type. <laughs> um, a more practical way is to, to pray against the spirit of fear and, and, and when you go in those outreaches or when you're a part of that thing, befriending that a person, you know, being relational to that community, you know, when they come to church, not being like weirded out by them, talk to them, pray with them, get to know them. How's your kids? Are you okay? Can we do anything for you? Because that goes a long, long way into drawing someone out of something, mm -hmm. you know, not saying like we talked about earlier, you know, not giving them money and things like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being intentional about opening up our hearts a little bit and, and being that tender hearted. Cause, it, cause the society will tell you, you got to stiff arm them. It's dangerous. That's risky. We don't want that look in our church. We don't want that image on us, whatever. Yeah. But in reality, the very thing that most people who are struggling with an addiction are craving is relationship. Mm. They're craving community. They're craving that's that, why they're that, in a real, that's why they're in that addiction a lot of times. Right. Cause they have they a lot have of trauma that. and right. They've yeah. had trauma. They've had whatever you want to, you know, any plethora of issues that can come up, you know, based in childhood, like I had childhood trauma and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think we could do a better job. One of being intentional about our intercession and two being more open as a people to people who are hurting, to people who are struggling to people who are currently addicted or are coming out of addictions or people who are sensitive to it, to going into addiction, people that maybe are, are newly, newly homeless, right. Or had, had a tragedy happen in their lives or, you know, a, a teenager who, who, you know, is a, a, the child of an abused home mm -hmm. being intentional about being the hands and feet of Christ and not just through service, but through relationship. That's good. That's, That's good. what I feel. Cause that's something that, you know, I've had, I've, I've experienced, you know, we have a couple in our lives, Krista and I do, that we've been walking with them for, I mean, four years of ups and downs and ins and outs and all kinds of madness and craziness. And thank God they are both in really good places right now. The husband is in, in recovery. He's in a rehabilitation facility. I'm so proud of him. Mm -hmm. um, the wife is, is she's getting herself together, living in a, in a women's uh, care home until they can get together and be together again. Mm. And we walked that out with them. At times it was hard. At times it was a struggle. At times we didn't see eye to eye with them. Maybe we had friction with them, whatever, but we are in relationship with them. 
We are in relationship with them through their highs and through their lows. And it's something that, you know, I know that we've, you know, been able to kind of be, be an image of Jesus um, to them and in their lives. And they're two people that we love very, very much. And that's a good example to me of, of the way the church needs to respond is we can, we can still have boundaries. We can still be keep maintain safety and on some level, but the gospel is not safe. Yeah. The gospel never calls us to be saved. It says a man tries to keep his life. He'll lose it. But if he gives mm-hmm. up his life, he'll be safe. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. I've been in the homeless camps, clean, alive, ready, rock and roll. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to give out Bibles. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to get to know people because I can, they can identify with me because I can, I can speak their language. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a foreign language. Like I know like addicts speak. Yeah. I know like, <laughs> I know like addict attitude, right? Like I know how to handle and talk to someone in a way that's not, you know, um, patronizing mm. in a way that's not like, Oh, you poor, poor thing, you know, bless your heart. Yeah. You know, it's because nobody wants to hear that. Nobody who's in the middle of a struggle who knows they're struggling wants to hear that nonsense. Well, I'm sure a lot of those guys can, can, can sniff out insincerity. Oh, oh yeah. That's why they, but th- that's why they don't take us seriously. Yeah. They don't take a lot of us seriously because I mean, I've been in, I've been in outreaches where people have said, you come here every week with your blankets and your chili and your whatever, but you don't do anything. You just come here. Does it make you feel better mm. and to be here? Does it make you feel like you're doing something right by being here with us? Because you're not changing anything for us. Mm. And that was so humbling. Oh my God. I remember Dude. That. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I think that's where a lot of people find themselves is they're like, I know that's not really working and they kind of feel stuck because yeah. it's like, well, this person is homeless and they're an addict and right. they're like, I, I don't know how to help them because I know that ultimately they need to get off the streets. They need to want, they need to want to get better. They need to want to not, they don't yeah. They want to, they need to not want this life anymore. Yeah. And so it's but like, you can, sometimes we feel stuck on like, how do I, yeah. how you do can I, love some, you, you may be the one that loves somebody into wanting to get off the streets. Mm. You may be the one that you may be the one constant in that person's life. Hey, this really cool Christian dude comes out every week and he prays with us and he talks with us and, you know, he does these things with us and, and man, you know, one day might be the day when they're ready. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That might be the yeah. day. You never know, but it, it, that could be the day. You could mm-hmm. be the one that makes that day happen. You could be the instrument of grace in their life that makes them see that one person cares enough about them to consider them a human being and have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a transition that takes place in our minds where we realize, maybe it's our hearts, you know, where we, we realize, okay, it's not, your goal is not, I need to get this guy saved. It's right. I know that if I can love this guy and just, I can show him the true love of Jesus. Yes. He's going to want to change like that type of love made every single person want to change when they came in contact with Jesus, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what would you say kind of going back to something we talked about very early on as we're closing out? What would you say to, to people who are, who are in the middle of, of just they're stuck in that, that, that sense of unworthiness? Like, what would you say to somebody who's struggling with unworthiness right now? Yeah, Man, I would say to the person struggling with unworthiness that God doesn't make trash. Mm. God's never made trash. He's not in the trash making business. You are not your emotions. You may feel those emotions. You may feel unworthy. You may feel like, you know, I've done this or I've done that or whatever. But you aren't those things. Those things don't have to identify you. You are a child of God. You are made in the image of God. You have intrinsic value, worth. You have dignity. You have so much to offer this world. You are not the thing the enemy keeps trying to beat into your head that you are. You are not insignificant. Mm. You are not rejected. You are not unwelcomed in the kingdom. You you have a, a father waiting there, ready to to undignify himself to run after you as you come up the street, just like he did with the prodigal. Mm. He'll do the same thing with you. That worthiness, you, you're so worthy. You're so mm. worthy. You know, Jesus didn't die for the 
for the unworthy. You know what I mean? He didn't die. He, he, he died to reconcile the father to the things that he was missing, missing, which was his family. Mm-hmm. And you are in God's family. And you are so worthy of that. Mm. That's like, seriously, that's the best thing I can say. Mm. It's spot on, man. Mm. Like people have so much value. Everyone has so much value. Yeah. And so David and I are here to say that you, like, I just agree with everything he said that you do have value. Yes, you do. Are important. I don't care if everybody around you is saying that you're good for nothing, that you don't amount, can't amount to anything. That's a lie. You you know, who doesn't talk like that. God, God doesn't talk like that. And so, yeah. Amen. Amen, man. So good. Okay. So why don't you pray for the people, dude? Cause I think who are struggling with, uh, depression they're struggling with uh pornography they're struggling with drugs they're struggling all kinds of stuff so let's just light it up dude yeah oh lord so first and foremost we know you're already here holy spirit but lord i pray that you would make the spirit manifest on every person under the sound of my voice right now either alive or into the future that you would be lighting them on fire right now with your presence that they would feel the heat of your fire washing over them to purify them and to cleanse them, Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come before you and to petition you and to sit at your right hand with Jesus and to be loved by you and to be made by you and comforted by you. Lord, I pray for each person who's listening right now who's struggling with anything, Lord, that they would have that moment of clarity where, where they see the shadow of the spirit fall on them and they can see that what, what the pathway out is, Lord. I pray that you would make every crooked, unlevel path completely flat and straight for them to come straight home to you and that you would meet them at the bottom of that road to guide them back into your home. Lord, specifically for depression, I come against every lying spirit. Mm. I come against every lazy spirit every lying spirit that is trying to torture and to torment the believers. Lord, I pray for all chemicals and imbalances to be returned to normal functioning states in the brains of of the listeners right now in Jesus' name, that all brain function would be made normal, or that all depressions, all manic episodes, anything associated with mental illness would be brought to healing under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray and I encourage anyone who's struggling with anything that the enemy would try not to, that the enemy is trying to discourage them. The enemy is trying to get them to believe that they're wrong for being depressed or they're wrong for being addicted or they're wrong for struggling with anything. We come against that negativity and we cast it out right now in Jesus name. And we say that you are okay to struggle. You are okay to be where you are at as long as you are seeking the Lord to get out of it. Yes, Jesus, thank you for deliverance. Thank you for all the beautiful things you give us, specifically with deliverance. Thank you for delivering us from these spirits. And Lord, I pray for healing over the physical bodies, the brains, the brain chemicals, the physical ailments, anything that might be causing these depressions. Mm -hmm. And we just come out of also, we come out of agreement with any lies that have been spoken over us about our identities, any lies that have ever been spoken to us about us that have been negative to our struggles that have made us feel like we're not safe to be where we are. We're not safe in the arms of the father to be the people that we are currently and also who he's created us to be. So Jesus, I say, come light everyone on fire. We love you. We praise you and we bless you. And it's in your name. We pray. Amen. 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 Fail forward. That's what I heard. Fail forward people so if you you fail and you're like god i messed up or yeah i even say this to young people like you got doubts if you got questions don't run away don't say i don't know how to answer this ergo i'm not going to follow jesus anymore no you go run to him with your problems like if you fail if you sin like you run towards him you fail forwards you don't run away you go to him that's how we do this I'm going to say this, and this this is one thing that's always, always, always made me so upset. Nicodemus didn't understand. What did Jesus do? He went and he taught with him and he sat with him 
and he explained it to him. The two men on the road to, to Emmaus, he literally walked them through the entire scripture concerning the Messiah, mm-hmm. revealing, revealing himself the whole way and didn't even know it was Jesus until they said, did not our hearts burn within us? They couldn't even realize it was the Lord. So anybody who's struggling with anything like that, there's no excuse to not go to Jesus and ask him yourself. Yeah. And he's got the answer. Absolutely. Right Amen. 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 Woo. Everybody let us know in the chat. Let us know in the comments. What's up? Um, yeah. Somebody said, y'all need to have merch with these one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> it's Maybe we will. Maybe, Maybe we will. We'll make a God doesn't awesome. make trash t-shirt for everybody. Yeah, we will make a God doesn't make trash yeah. awesome. We love you guys. You guys are amazing. Yes, um, thank I, you guys. I just I can't wait to hear. Awesome. You know, and honestly, too, if you got somebody, if you got somebody in your life, who's struggling with um, something pretty significant right now, have the courage to send them this. Yes. Have the the courage to send them this. And maybe you're not really on speaking terms with them. You can just send this to them without saying anything. You can just send it. And that actually could make the difference. You know, who knows? It could could make the difference. It will make the difference in Jesus name. That's yeah. not that it could, that it will make the difference. Yeah. They will be delivered. They will be set free. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. So David, how can people follow you, bro? Well, no, down at the bottom of the page now, I actually just started my um, first public ministry page. So if you just go to facebook.com or just search for uh, D Shram, AKM, or uh, my name is just David Shram on there. It's just a different picture of me. Um, I'll be posting, you know, updates, lives like it's posted on there now um just content as it comes words i get from the lord i think i'm just going to gear it i don't know what direction the lord's taking it but i know he's been telling me to do it for a while and i haven't mm. done it so i'm finally doing it um i don't know how the, i don't know where that's going to end up looking like but i think it's i think it's going to be awesome i'm really excited about it and i'm really looking forward to to serving our community um around the rise kingdom ministries and around christola show with from the male side of the perspective yeah. amen yeah so everybody you can type in that link there or in the description. There's a link right under stuff we talked about. It says, David has a public figure page. Woo! Click here and give it a like. Click on it. And all that good stuff. Actually, you don't need to follow my wonderful, beautiful wife, Krista Alicia, if you're not already. Um, and oh, yeah. all of our Speak Life Initiative stuff that's going awesome. God has just been moving and healing and doing amazing things. I wish I had more time to talk about it, but mm, yeah, so good. well, you know, there's other times there's other, there's other times. Time. So. That's right. Um, David, thank you so much, dude. This dude, is it's great. always an honor. It's always yeah. an honor to be on here with yeah. you. brother. Yeah. I appreciate it. So, all right, everybody, that's our show. Bless so watch it. Support the Elijah fire live. Yeah. Support, support, support. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm yeah. so proud of you guys and the work you guys are doing, man. It's so cool the way you're trying to reach out to the millennial community. Mm. So proud of the, the work that you and Illumination and everybody's doing over at Elijah mm, Fire. Man. You guys are so awesome. Thanks. Thanks. We work, we work hard. <laughs> you. you. Yeah. Do. So, um, everybody at the end, there's a, uh, some donation info. You can also go to ElijahFire.com slash donate. Even if it's five bucks, we really appreciate it. We do all this for free and there's a lot of work that goes into it. So, um, that $5 will go to something. I guarantee you. So God bless you guys. See you Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today. 